Well, today we resume our sermon series on the love of God uh, called Agape Toy. Uh, we have taken a little bit of a break from this with guest speakers and Palm Sunday and Easter. And you can listen to all of the older uh, sermons on our website at cornerstonealliance.church. And this, uh, the big theme was God's love. And we looked at uh, how God's love is um, the, um, the constant theme or thread that runs through all of Scripture, not just the New Testament, but God's love is very apparent all through the Old Testament stories as well. And so some of these sermons were coming out of Old Testament passages. And then now uh, we've moved into the New Testament and uh, how God's, the love of God is what uh, characterizes who he is at, at his uh, core. And so now uh, loving God and loving others, we have looked at how uh, enemy love is very important for Christians and um, sacrificial love and what does love look like and how love might be different um, today in our culture than how it was understood uh, centuries ago. And in fact, uh, it has been proven that throughout uh, different generations, the word love can take on different kinds of meanings. And so when we look at uh, love, we are getting our definition from the scripture. And so then it's easier for us to understand uh, who God is when um, we say that God is love. Anyways, you can look at some of those older ones there. And today we'll look at a specific passage in Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Luke 7. And I'll get to the verses where we'll be looking at shortly. And I just want to remind you again, uh, after the service, we'll be celebrating communion. And so please don't hesitate to join us. You can click that link in the notes and uh, you provide uh, your own uh, wine or grape juice or crackers or bread and then join us together and I will um, lead you in a live uh, communion service at that time over Zoom. So this is, um, uh, this story is uh, a story that sounds familiar because it, a similar stories happen in Mark and Matthew and Luke and John. And this is where uh, a woman comes uh, to Jesus and anoints his uh, feet uh, with this expensive perfume, this expensive oil. And I just want to make a few things clear, though, because we're looking at the story in Luke. And it's very easy for us to uh, take some of our preconceptions or some of our ideas about who this woman is and bring it into the story. And so today we want to read the scripture uh, in these, these verses very carefully and, and um, make sure that we don't confuse this story with other stories that are very similar. Um, you may already have some ideas from what you've learned, or what you've studied, but I just, let me just clarify, in Matthew and Mark and John, this story where a woman comes with perfume and, and anoints Jesus happens uh, in the last week of Jesus' life, much later. But this one in Luke is early on in Jesus' ministry while he's still in Galilee. And so there, there's some differences and some of the confusion about this story and about the identity of this woman has come from uh, people conflating or mixing up these stories. So this is not uh, the same woman. It's not the same story that takes place in Matthew, Mark, and, um, and John. And uh, in, in Luke, this, this story we'll look at today, this woman is described as a sinner uh, guilty of many sins. And she anoints uh, uh, Jesus' feet and, and, and wipes his feet with her long hair. And so you may have heard uh, that these are very sexually suggestive um, actions and uh, she was living a life of prostitution. Um, but I want to be careful because if you read this text, not, none of that is hinted at in this text. And it's important for us to understand because I think it might help, might um, distract us from what Luke is really trying to say here. In fact, a little bit later um, in the story, 
Jesus commends her actions as being very uh, humble and honoring and loving. And so if they were sexually suggestive, it would be odd that Jesus would commend her for that. And also um, some of the confusion just comes from getting these mixed up with other passages and, and maybe um, identifying this unnamed woman with someone who has a name in other parts of scripture. So I just want to be careful um, like this. In the story, there's a Pharisee whose name is Simon, and uh, he is, uh, he's getting distracted also um, by things that are not really apparent in the story. So maybe some of us have actually read this story from a Pharisee's perspective. So let's just look at this. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, and I'll put it up on the screen here. We'll start in uh, verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town uh, who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She, we see that she, um, we don't know why uh, she came. There's several different reasons and I'm sure we can think of others as well. Uh, but we do know that she came with a purpose. She came there intending to um, use this alabaster jar of perfume. Maybe, maybe she was a woman who um, had received uh, forgiveness from Jesus for her sins and she was, this was an act of gratitude. Or maybe she had heard um, about Jesus and how he is welcoming of, of sinners and, and she's, um, she's, she was known in that town as a woman who lived a sinful life and so maybe she was really just longing for that kind of uh, affirmation and, and love that Jesus is so known for. There's different reasons. We don't really know why, except that uh, she did come with a purpose to anoint um, Jesus with this alabaster jar of perfume. And so Luke is very uh, careful here and uh, very descriptive. He says, as she stood uh, behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet uh, with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And so this is where uh, some have um, made the assumption uh, that these are sexually suggestive actions. Um, scholarship and um, uh, people who have studied, uh, people who, are, who love these sorts of things study symbolism and what different actions and gest gestures might mean in the Mediterranean world in that time. And, um, and these kinds of things, uh, you know, a woman letting her hair down um, might be sexually suggestive, but there's so many different arrays of meanings that it could be depending on the context. And so as you see here, as I've mentioned already, there doesn't seem to be anything in this context um, that, that would suggest that. It may be one possibility, but all we know is that she was a woman who lived a sinful life. And Luke doesn't go on to describe any more uh, than that. But who of us um, uh, has not, you know, sinned? Uh, we have, who, who of us have not lived a sinful life? It's hard um, to say that necessarily, but when we look at the Bible and how the Bible describes sin, then I think all of us can raise our hands uh, for that one. But anyways, here's a woman. Okay, and this is what she's doing. She, she wiped them with her hair. She, her, 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 she's pouring, like weeping, and his feet became wet. His feet were probably very dirty because uh, barefoot, sandals, walking around on, on dusty roads. And so she... She wet his feet with her tears. She was moved. She was probably uncontrollably um, crying. She wiped them with her hair and she kissed them and then poured perfume on them. And then when the Pharisee, verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him, when he invited Jesus, he saw this, 
he said to himself, well, if this man were a prophet, uh, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And so this Pharisee was thinking, well, obviously he's not a prophet because if he were, uh, he wouldn't allow himself to become unclean by this outsider. He wasn't um, necessarily concerned about this woman's uh, sexually suggestive, supposedly sexually suggestive advances, but he was just the fact that um, a woman, and on top of that, a sinner, was allowed to touch you know, this supposed prophet. And so he was, he was um, not even concerned about her. And why was she there? Like, why did she bring this jar? And what moved her to come here? And why is she so upset? None of those questions seemed to come to this Pharisee's mind. He was just concerned about this outsider touching this insider and how it became uh, very unclean. So then Jesus answered and um, he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. And so he said, tell, tell me, teacher, tell me. This is great. And Jesus tells us a story. He tells Simon a story, but it's not unrelated. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to you know, flip, oh, squirrel. Let's do another, another story. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to say about this context that's happening. And so here's a great story. He says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now in your notes, some people have uh, footnotes in the scripture and it would tell you what a denarii is. It probably says um, one denarii is a full day's wages. And so you can, how much do you make in a day? So this is that times 500. One person owed him 500 amount, 500 denarii, and the other owed 50. So both big amounts, but one definitely bigger than the other. But neither of them had the money to pay him back. So this moneylender forgave the debts of both. That's, uh, that's not really what moneylenders do, usually. Neither of them had the money to pay. So just, okay, you're both forgiven. And then Jesus says this, now which of them will love him more? This is an interesting twist. Here are people who owe this money lender money and they're forgiven. And so then Jesus says, now which of them will be more thankful? He doesn't say that. Or which of them will uh, feel indebted to him for the rest of their lives? But for some reason, Jesus says, which of them will love him more? And it's here in the story, at this verse, where Jesus equates uh, forgiveness with love. Have you ever thought of that before? You know, if, you're, if you're forgiven your debts, like, do you love the person uh, who's forgiven them? Often we feel thankful, we might feel grateful, but Jesus says it's, it's love. How, which of these would love him more? And so the Pharisee, Simon replies, well, I suppose the one, you know, who had the bigger debt forgiven. And so, uh, Jesus, you have judged correctly. But what does this have to do with the story? Forgiving debts and which one would love him more? Obviously, the one who has been forgiven more is the one who would love more. And then Jesus turns to the woman. He doesn't ignore this woman. They've been talking about, uh, the Pharisee has been talking about this woman, but now Jesus turns to the woman and he says to Simon, do you see, do you see this woman? Look. He said, I came into your house. You did not give me any water, you know, for my feet, but she, 
wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. He says, you did not give me a kiss, okay, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head. Look at this woman, Jesus said, look at her. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And then he says, therefore I tell you, Simon, the Pharisee, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Again, you see forgiveness and love. We can tell she has been forgiven very much because of how much she loves. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus says here, uh, as her great love has shown. This is a great statement. In fact, nowhere else in the New Testament is anyone praised so much as this, for someone's great love towards Jesus. That is a key phrase. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little, Jesus says. But um, if you've been forgiven, you love a lot. Then Jesus said to her, he finally talks to this woman, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then the other guests that had been gathered in that room, they began to say among themselves, who is this? Who is this who even forgives sins? And then we come to the last verse of our passage today. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this is a fascinating story. And it talks about love. It also talks about forgiveness. But what I'd like to point out to you is that we, we don't, uh, as I mentioned before, we don't know uh, this woman's past. And it's not spelled out there, maybe on purpose. It's just the fact that she was known as... Um, you know, a big time sinner. And maybe it was a sexual sin. Maybe she was involved in prostitution, but we don't know. But it, maybe she, maybe she just was in debt or maybe she was just some other reason. We, we don't know, but that's not what's important. If that was important, I think that would be part of the story. And so we see that J Jesus doesn't really care about her past as much as how much she's loving now and how much she has been fit. Her, her past doesn't matter. Uh, her gender uh, does not matter to Jesus. And here's a male, a Pharisee who is an expert in the law. He is, he knows the scripture extremely well. And yet Jesus contrasts him with her. And he uplifts this unnamed woman as one with great love and as a model uh, for discipleship, really for all of us. And so this is something I think that we, we see love um, is equated with faith. And um, so I'm just kind of, uh, let me just look at my notes here. I'm, I'm fading out a little bit here. Um, we've talked about this before. You can have perfect doctrine. You can pass a theological test or a doctoral statement. It's easy for us to, to it's easier for us to believe certain uh, facts or things, to adhere to certain a statement of faith, and yet not be loving. And what Jesus, I think, is showing us here is that what's really important is how much we love. We don't necessarily need to have all the facts right. Even the demons know who God is. Even the demons recognize who Jesus Christ is. But what's important to Jesus is not how much we know, but how much we love. And that's a real key uh, facet of discipleship. 
the Pharisee knew the scriptures well. And it's easy for many people today also. We can know scriptures very well. I've told this to our Bible quizzers many times. You know, they, they'll memorize entire books of scripture. I say, this, this is great, this is wonderful, but don't feel arrogant or don't feel proud that you've memorized these things because if, if you're not loving, if you're not acting out, all that, then it's really, it, it's useless. And so a statement of faith is, is important. It can be a great summary of what we believe and a great summary of our faith but it's part of our faith. And so um, it's good to understand what we believe. And so part of our discipleship pathway is to know what you believe, but that's only a part of it. If you're feeling that you don't, you don't know how much you do love God or how much you love others, how much compassion you have on others, it, it might be because you don't realize how much you've been forgiven, or maybe you haven't actually received forgiveness. I know several people who have gone through our set free retreats or set free retreats at, at another church. And um, after they've, they've confessed sin and, and just brought it out to the open, they, they're filled with love and, and acceptance. And so maybe you haven't really fully just thrown your sins at the cross, allowed Jesus to give you this free gift of forgiveness because Jesus is showing that those who have been forgiven a lot, just love a lot. And so I just encourage you, as the scriptures say, to confess your sins. You don't need to confess to someone else if you don't want to, but you can confess uh, to your Heavenly Father. Confess to Jesus and allow Him to give you uh, forgiveness. This is something we need to do daily. Sometimes at the end of the day, it's a good, a good practice to just go over the day and say, you know, I need to confess. And sometimes I actually need to go to talk to someone and ask for forgiveness as well. And this is one way we can be filled with love toward God. You know, some people... Um, Another way that uh, people maybe um, get confused or forget that love is really what it's all about and that love is at the core of discipleship and we think that our thinking needs to be straight. Uh, some people can, be, can refer to themselves, and I, I see them online sometimes, they are guardians you know, of the gospel, which is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But the way they defend the gospel seems very, like they're angry and being very judgmental. I think you're kind of missing the point, and 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 I, I'm, I'm saying you're kind of missing. I've been there too, and some I catch myself doing that sometimes. I can be act like a Pharisee. Uh, very, like I've got the right thinking, and how do you, how can you think this way? Uh, but it's more about how much we love um, God, and so faith means um, part of it is agreeing to a list of doctrines. But as Jesus is showing here, it's how much we love, and where our treasure is is where our heart is going. To be. So I just encourage you, um, during this time where maybe you have a little bit of extra time, spend some time um, putting your treasure, putting your focus, putting your thoughts on Jesus, what he has done for you. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him, if you're not aware, sometimes, sometimes I, you know, you could go to pray. I don't think I have anything to, you know, confess. But wait, ask Jesus, would you reveal things to me? And then, and then the list may start growing and freely confess your sins. We're, we'll be having a time of communion shortly afterwards. It's a great time again, just when we do this, just confess, Lord, I, I messed up, I made a mistake, I was arrogant, I was judgmental, um, would you please forgive me? And God loves to forgive. And the more you are forgiven, the more you will love. So let me just pray uh, for us today, and then I wanna encourage you to join us for communion afterwards. Please bow with me as we pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for being a loving God. And uh, I love these stories. And I love how you teach. And I love how you give uh, illustrations. And so I pray that these words that you spoke today uh, to us would not uh, disappear. Would they, would they remain in our thoughts and remain in our hearts. And Lord, I pray for love for, for myself. Fill me with a love for the people in our community. Fill our community with love for other people as well. Fill us with compassion. Lord, help us to be understanding. When people are rude or anxious or they, they talk back to us, let us take that with a grain of salt and understand that they, they need compassion. They need love just as much as we do. And Lord, I do know that many of us still need you to forgive us. It's there. It's, an op it's a present just waiting for us to open. So help us to open that present to receive your forgiveness. Understand that has nothing to do with our past. Understand there's nothing to do with our gender or status or anything. But rather, fill us with love. And may it be evident, um, may our forgiveness be evident in the way we love others and we love you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.